Well, good morning and a welcome to this part. It's uh, always a joy for me to um, be here. It's from the first day I walked in here, I've just been attracted to each one of you. And it's, I don't lose that attraction. In fact, it's, it grows deeper. And uh, so thank you for coming. I had a, I should maybe call it amazing experience yesterday. Um, I enjoy sunny days, just being out in it. And normally, when it's as nice as it was yesterday, it's hard for me to sit there and look out. But I don't know, yesterday it was just a piece that I didn't long to be outside. I enjoyed the beauty, but it was something about, I don't know, it was just a closeness with the Lord yesterday. I needed yesterday. Just all that we've been through, it was just a time to be refreshed. And And I understand when God saw Adam alone, he said it's not good that he's alone. How often my wife helps me, being that helpmeet. It was about, I don't know what it was, 11 o'clock-ish. I wasn't even going to share all this. She came in and just, I was sitting there by the desk, put her arm around me. Wondered how it's going. So it's actually going pretty good. I'm, you know, having a good time. You know, if I if I care, if she just prays for me, I said, absolutely not. I mean, I. So she laid her hands on me and was praying. By the end of the day, I had such an immense love for the Lord that I I don't know if I ever felt that way before. Just a refreshing, energizing, empowering feeling. I mean, it's just like I am ready. Whatever comes. And that's the work of the Lord. That's not me mustering up that. A mother was sharing about her six-year-old daughter. Lori, who is studying 1 Samuel 15, 22. To obey is better than sacrifice for her Bible memory course. One day, Lori observed her three-year-old sister, Christy, being disobedient 
and she immediately took her sister aside and sternly admonished her. Christy, if you don't obey, you're going to be sacrificed. <laughs> now that wasn't quite what her memory verses said. But it really wasn't far off. You see, Samuel was talking with Saul at that time when he had disobeyed to destroy every, all the Amalekites. And because of his disobedience, he sacrificed his relationship with God. He sacrificed his whole king, entire kingdom. No longer could he be king over Israel. And he sacrificed his once close um, relationship with Samuel. From there on, as long as Samuel lived, he did not go to see Saul again to give him advice or a word from the Lord. So in essence, he was almost sacrificed. He, his life was miserable here out because of disobedience. And it affected the children of Israel too. You know, our disobedience never just affects ourselves. It always affects others. It'll affect God. At times, God had, had a fierce anger because of their disobedience. It'll affect our family, the church. It can affect the place of employment, our customers if we're business owners. Depending on what it is, it can affect our community. And if there's unresolved sin that is in us, it definitely affects our family and especially the church. It just doesn't pay to disobey. I want to read it a little more. I don't have it in my notes. I'm going to read a little on Samuel. So if you want to, I don't have it on the PowerPoint. If you want to turn to it, 1 Samuel 15, I'm going to start in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the rams. For rebellion, which a, a life of disobedience, my own definition, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Here I go on a rabbit trail, sorry. Um, stubbornness is as iniquity. And idolatry. 
How many times have I been stubborn or have you been stubborn with the talent or gift that God has given you to use it for his glory? That is as idolatry or iniquity. Our stubbornness not to use our gifts, what God gives us for his kingdom and for his glory. That's why we receive these talents and gifts, is to give them back to him. And if we're stubborn to use it, we don't want to give. We don't want to stand up here and we're a marvelous teacher. We, we don't want to be the Sunday school teacher. Or maybe we have this gift of singing, but we will never do it to get up here and sing for the Lord. That's stubbornness. And it is as iniquity or um, idolatry because you're focusing on yourself, not him. Yourself has become an idol. As I just read that, that just came to my mind. It's just, man, I have got to use my gifts and talents that God has given for him. I dare not be stubborn anymore. And through this, um, I've discovered that when we disobey, we always, always violate this one commandment. That is loving God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, our whole being, and all our strength. We violate that. Because if we love him with our all, how can we disobey? How can we not obey? We always violate this. And this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And on this hangs all the law and the prophets. These two commandments, if we fulfill that, we fulfill the law according to scripture. Am I living a life of obedience to those two commandments? Is he and everyone else first in my life? One other scripture that came to my mind later, and I don't have this either, is um, John 15. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, it's just a short it's abiding in him. He is the vine. We're the branches. The father is the vine dresser, the husbandman. Abide in me and I in you. How, and I used to, it's just, what is this abiding? You know, how do we abide? Or well, how is this? Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What is his commandment? This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. If we have that love, if we live in obedience to his commandment, we're abiding in his love. That's how we abide. And then we bring forth fruit. 
according to the scripture. This loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, what is that to you? What does that mean to you? How do you live it? You know, it'd be good if all of you would have an interview as far as ordination, because that's one of the questions I had to answer. How do you answer that? There was no easy interview, I'm telling you that. But it's okay. We need to think. This is a great, the greatest commandment. So what does it mean to us? How are we living it? And I think it should be on everyone's list when they're interviewing. Because that's the greatest commandment. If we don't understand it, how can we teach should we be up here teaching? So I think it's good. I bless James in that. Paul also wrote, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if we do not practice the word of God, we're living a life of disobedience. And that is counterfeit Christian. It looks good, but it's not. We're a worker of iniquity. Why do I say that? Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. We know we're supposed to be living a life of loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we're not doing it, we are living in sin because we know to do it. The bar is way higher than what we wanted. It's not just this relaxed life and we coast in. Uh, it takes a total connection. We are to consecrate ourselves to God, our whole everything. There was an elder who was trying to explain to a doctor the meaning and importance of consecration, the idea of giving his life completely over to God. The doctor was one of those folks who merely wanted to go to church and warm the pew, and the elder was trying to use his considerable talents for God. One time I had shared before, you know, there's these pillars in the church. There's these pillars that the church is built upon, the solid pillars of the church. But then there's these caterpillars that just crawl in, sit down, they crawl back out. I think they're in every church or every con congregation. But let's not give up. Let's not be critical. Because those caterpillars can become beautiful butterflies if we just give them time and work with them, nourish them. Let's not give up on them. Let's help them. I never saw that picture before, just now. But the doctor balked at the idea. He liked, he liked how he was living. He figured God would overlook his desire to live life his own way. During the course of conversation, the elder said to him, suppose a patient asks you to take care of her case 
but refuse to tell you all the symptoms or to take all of your prescriptions. She might say to you, I am willing to follow your directions when they seem sensible to me, but if they don't, I will use my own judgment. What would you do in such a case? Do, was the indignant reply, I would refuse to accept her as a patient. I could do nothing for her unless she put her whole case into my hands and obeyed my directions implicitly. Then obedience to the doctor's orders is essential if the patient wants to be cured, asked the elder. Absolutely, the doctor replied. The elder responded, and that is consecration. God must have your whole life put in his hands without any reservations, and his directions must be implicitly followed. There are people who go to church regularly who either don't understand this concept or they don't care. You see, there are some that sing to the Lord on Sunday. And I don't see this here, but I've seen it. But they curse like a sailor on Monday. They're, they're Sunday Christians. That's not consecrated to the Lord. Maybe there's ladies that go to the sewing or a ladies group on Tuesday and Wednesday they're spreading malicious gossip. Or maybe one can teach Sunday school or maybe lead out in Bible school at home or whatever it is. But when they're alone, they're caught up in pornography. Dead. Dead faith. Possibly demonic faith. But what we need is dynamic faith. Now I just told you the three types of faith that I was possibly was going to preach on. Another person that are disobeyed is Achan. May I stop? I think sometimes, especially today, we hear so much about, you know, give your life to Jesus, and man, you'll be blessed. And I'm not saying we're not going to be blessed. You know, you'll be happy, and you'll be whatever, you know, everything will go good and um, you're going to, it's going to take care of your financial problems and all this happy stuff. We make, we, no, we don't, but that's the Western, maybe I should say. Then they join, then they'll say, yeah, they'll give their life to Christ. They don't surrender at all. And then things start going bad. Then they actually turn and hate God. Christians who believe life will be smooth sailing because they are children of the sovereign God are clinging to a false security. When something happens to us, do we continue to walk in obedience? Or do we give up, become bitter, angry at God, 
you know, I want everyone to understand. Though we are born again, though we are crucified with Christ and born and then raised in the power of, of his resurrection, we still have feelings. We still have emotions. Anger is an emotion. Please understand that. And when we're angry because we're going through something, let's just be honest with God. Don't let it turn into bitterness. Okay, sometimes we can't feel help but feel angry. So don't take that as sin, but don't let it become bitterness and resent. I better keep going or I'll get ahead of myself. Joshua 7. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, this is after they had been defeated at Ai. My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils of a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. See, I could never understand. I'm going to pause here. They had, Joshua just told them that they're supposed to consecrate them to the Lord and whatever because of this, their sin. I often wondered why didn't he bring it forth then? Because he knew he had it. But then, how, how different are we today? We know that Jesus Christ is coming. And if we're hiding sin, we're no better than Achan. And we know he's coming. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Agar. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? Because it affected the children of Israel too. The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of his place, of that place is, has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. Again, we can see that one man's disobedience, his sin, affected many. It affected God and the other people. If we choose to live a life of disobedience, I'm not saying, you know, sometimes we fail. Okay? We do slip at times. But I am saying we live in disobedience. We will lose our blessing from God. One person can do it because the children of Israel lost 
their blessing from God too. So let's be careful when we make a choice. It not only affects you, but it affects everyone. Let's look at verse 21. This is something that Delbert taught me when we had the uh, Bible studies years ago. And as I was reading this, I, could, I just sat there reminiscing and I could just see him at the end of the table and just teaching this. Precious moments. Then the other Sunday in Sunday school, Austin shared the very same thing. It's just, wow, I was going to share that. And uh, I was blessed. First of all, it says, I saw. That was the test. We can't help but see things. Next, he said, I coveted. That was the temptation. Then, I took. There was sin. Then, so many times, I hid. And that's when it becomes a stronghold. And the more we hide, the more strongholds, bases of operation, Satan has. Let's take this as our heart. And I'm hiding sin in here. And I'm hiding sin in here. So, now... When I'm hiding that, and I have the whole armor of God, and I'm here and trying to stand strong in the power of his might, but the whole armor of God, if you remember, there is no protection in your back. Now I'm out here, all of a sudden there's a fire dart coming out of this hole. So when I focus on that, now what happens? There's a fire dart coming back here. We dare not leave any stronghold in our hearts. Because those are base of operation. Because every now and then, they'll peek out again. What we need to do is open them up. Lord, here it is. I am so ashamed. I am so sorry. Now the door's open. Nothing hiding anymore. And we can freely stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That we can withstand the fiery darts because we no longer have to worry about our backs. It's free. The closets are empty. Just obey. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's where we find rest when everything is gone. He comes in and totally cleanses us. If we ask, he will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not most, it's all. If we just allow him to. (laughs) 
Then there is one thing that I've struggled with. And I believe for years was this statement. God never gives us more than what we can handle or what we can bear. Then when things happened, that it was just, Lord, I can't do this. Ordination was one of them. Oh, I cried out. In the mornings, I would just weep in bed. I said, Lord, I can't do this. And then a rainbow would come. My grace is sufficient for you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And finally, I surrendered. But it's just, okay, God, why can't I handle this then? If you never give me more than what I can handle, why, why can't I handle this? Just a while back, just maybe two weeks ago, maybe, that's when it was. I've discovered something. It's a big, fat lie. God always gives us more than what we can handle to draw us to him. If we could always handle everything, we wouldn't need him. How was I so blind? But he always gives us more than what we can handle. So if you've been believing it, it's a lie. Relax. The statement that is true is he will never give us more than what he can handle, that he can help us with. His grace is always going to be sufficient. But we're going to need him to get through it. That's how we grow. Are we anchored in the solid rock, Jesus Christ? Is he our firm foundation? I just want to close with this. Another little story. There was a TV news camera crew that was on assignment in southern Florida. They were filming the widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew. But in one scene, amid this devastation and the debris, stood a house still on its foundation. Then the owner was cleaning up the yard when a reporter approached him. Sir, why is your house the only one still standing? Asked the reporter. How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? The man replied, I built this house according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two by six trusses, I used two by six trusses. I was told that a house built according to the code would stand, withstand a hurricane, and it did. I guess no one else around here followed the code. You see, this man obeyed. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
Is our life built to code so that we can withstand these storms? And the code is God's word. Is our life built on the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone? Are we living in obedience to the word of God? Do we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Who comes first? If we live a life of obedience, in the end, we can enjoy the precious words of the Father saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or, says, enter into the kingdom of the Father. Can you imagine that day? Folks, it is worth obeying. We'll miss out on the embrace of Jesus Christ if we live a life of disobedience. We're going to miss out. We're going to be left behind. Let's surrender all. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. I am looking forward to that day. I can't wait. Oh, how I love Jesus. And it's only because he first loved me. Oh, what a savior. And here I stand, just trying, and words can't speak of who he really is. He is so wonderful. And I'm his child. Hallelujah. And you're his child. He loves you. And he's interceding for us. Let's turn our hearts toward home. And let's just obey whatever God has us. Wherever he has us, whatever he has us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. That he came from glory, took upon him the form of man, was beat, bruised, brutally for me. Died on the cross, rose again to give me victory. Thank you, Father that you were mindful of me that day. 
knowing I, I really don't deserve it. You've chosen me. You've chosen us. You've placed each one in here, in this body. For your honor, for your glory, and for your purpose. And may we, Father, by your spirit, guide us, direct us, so that we can live a life of obedience to that purpose, to your will. Empower us, Father. We need you. This life is way more than what we can handle. Way more. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful work you've done in this congregation already. Lord, you are so good. So good. I just want to praise you and lift you up. Oh, Father, we love you. Just accept our small nugget of love compared to yours. But we want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. But it takes you, Father, to empower us. So pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, this next week. Guide and direct us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.